Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. This episode of Believe in South Carolina is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline where the game starts. Now, time for Believe in South Carolina. Michigan at the 41. What a hit! Ball's free! On the ground! South Carolina deserves to have it, and they do! Finally, 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 we are back. Believe in South Carolina, back in your ears as we get ready. For another season of South Carolina football. It is Tuesday, August 23rd. I am Mike Yuva. And join with me as always, Nick Klaus and former Gamecock running back Marcus Lattimore. Boys, it is good to be hearing you and seeing you as we tape this right now. Oh, great to see you guys too. Mike, Mike, you've been a little busy. Been around a little, a little bit. bit, you know, seeing a few changes. On TV. Change we'll, is good we'll, for life, though. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that later on in the show. Bottom line is I'm still covering the Gamecocks remotely for this season and uh i'll kind of give you a, a look ahead as to what that will all look like once the season's done but i'm working with gamecock central still as i'm up here in boston so fellas let's get just straight to it the gamecocks just continue to dominate recruiting and i say dominate because when you look at where they were a couple of years ago right in trying to get this ship back in the right direction. Shane Beamer, this coaching staff, the players, the players that have committed, whether it be the class of 2023, 2024, it's a group effort. And to see what they were able to do over the weekend, landing another, another four-star defensive lineman, the second highest in the Shane Beamer era. And on top of that, a guy that is from the state of Georgia. That's Xavier Hardy. I don't know what this will ultimately look like a couple of years from now, but at least in the short term, boy, that excitement, it just it keeps building up until week one. And he's building it from the inside out, mm-hmm. which is – which is what you have to do, particularly in the SEC, which we talk about all the time. And it's beautiful to see. It really is. You know, you get a guy like that from Georgia, it sends a message to his peers that surround him. You know, when, it, when in those neighboring cities, in those neighboring counties that we continue to recruit. And it's only going to pay, pay dividends in the future, you know, because we have a guy planted from that, from that particular area in Xavier, in Xavier and Hardy. And it's just, it's going to create. And I mean, once you, once you come see the, the, the Cindy and Ken long football operations facility, I mean, you, you just get, you, you, you just not expecting to see that in Columbia. And uh, I think a lot of people are impressed by that. I think a lot of people are impressed by coach Beamer and the staff and just, his unique style of teaching, you know, I think we all saw the video of him uh, leading the team from the operations facility to the stadium uh, and, and, you know, you, using that powerful, you, using that uh, analogy to teach, uh, don't, don't, don't ever forget, like, don't ever forget uh, why you suit up. And who you suit up for and, and, and the trek that they have to take uh, and the sacrifices they make 
on a daily basis. I mean, to 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 come watch you play. Uh, that I, I think that message speaks volumes and is speaking to the recruits. Yeah, I mean, nationally, I don't think anyone expected Coach Beamer to recruit this well this soon. And mm. I mean, that's after a six and six season. So obviously, you need to improve. But look at this class. I mean, it's six. It's composite rank is sixteen on twenty four seven Sports. Um, one of the highest we've seen probably the most talented since probably 2012 around that era with all the four stars, nine, four stars. I mean, we talked about it, I think on our second episode or something talking about everyone. These are three stars. These are three stars. Why are we getting three stars? One, three stars can be very good football players. And two, now you're seeing these four stars. You're seeing these four stars come in and we talked about, you know, where they're coming from, some from Georgia. You look at this list, it's South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, for the most part, with some DMV and then an Alabama sprinkled in there. But, you know, you're you're running that Southeast. You're trying to get all these players, and you're stealing them. Think about who's in the Southeast. Mm-hmm. You got Georgia. You got Florida. And Florida has a lot of momentum right now. If you're in the state of Florida, Miami. Miami has a lot of momentum right now. I mean, being able to get these talented guys is really showing something about Coach Beamer and what they're doing. And if you've watched the Welcome Home um, ESPNU Hard Knocks type documentary, and you're really getting to see that up close, and it's it's really fun to see. And, uh, you know, they're hot right now. They're still rolling, and uh, I don't think they're done. So I'm going to take a look at the list. I know you mentioned the 24-7 rankings, and since I'm an on-3 guy, I'm going to bring up the on-3 one. But it's a consensus. It's a consensus. It takes all the recruiting databases and it puts it together, which is very unique that on three is able to do that. So I'm looking at that right now. South Carolina currently ranks 18th in the country for recruiting for the cost of 2023. I know some people are going to get obsessed with that number. That's fine. Have fun with it. All right. Have a parade. That's great. The things that really stand out to me more than anything are the fact in a, what, four day span, South Carolina's top three commitments so far, they were able to land two of those guys. Damian Hardy, as we mentioned, and then um, Xavier McLeod from Camden. Two defensive linemen. That stands out to me. On top of that, South Carolina has recruited three of the four top players in the state of South Carolina. Now, obviously, every year is going to vary, right? I mean, you're not always going to have a Marcus Lattimore coming out or Jordan Birch or whatever, and this is not downplaying the guys that they have signed with Marquis. Anderson, I mentioned uh, McLeod, and then also Auntie Grames out of Sumter, the four-star edge. But the point being is when you talk about building that wall of being able to keep in-state talent, right? And I know Clemson fans are having fun. Well, only one of them, one of those three they were recruiting. Okay, well, Clemson's in a different atmosphere right now. Let's just call a spade a spade. They're in a different recruiting area, and that's okay. South Carolina is trying to build up where they were from a couple of years ago. Six wins combined, two seasons, com- but those two seasons before Beamer got here. What they're doing right now, I feel like, is exactly what you need to do. And it might not be exactly apples to oranges, but you think back to that time period, right? The heyday when Marcus, when you were there, we've saw it before, right? Getting that in-state talent, getting that in-state talent, being able to build that. It, you can go to Florida. We've talked about that before. You can go to other states. You need to be able to do that. You're not just going to be able to win with, with in-state talent from South Carolina. I'm sorry. Um, that's not a slap in the face of South Carolina. It's just that you need to go out and, and get talent from across the country if you really want to be a national powerhouse um, and be able to build and compete for SEC titles. I like what they're doing though. It's just, it, it's very similar. We, we joke about it, that Beamer has that blueprint of what Spurrier was able to do because he was here before. It seems like there's a lot of similarities in, in terms of what he's trying to do from a recruiting standpoint right now. When you, when, when you go down to Camden and you you secure a commitment from a top player in the city of Camden. You keep Camden Gamecock, mm. and and w- that, that's just what you have to do. Camden has always been Gamecock, and it always will be. And Coach Beamer understands that he he grew uh, he was born in Charleston. You got to keep that city on lock. 
that's a Gamecock city. Now, when you go to Spartanburg, South Carolina, and you go get Marquis Anderson from Dorman, ah, you now now you got people you have people's attention because that's once you once you're on 26 and you pass Greenwood, South Carolina, all the way down, you pass Lawrence, you pass Spartanburg, you you're going into Clemson country. That that's just what it is. You know, so when a Marquis Anderson commits to South Carolina, it it it, it just sends shockwaves through through the upstate, really. And Clemson, Clemson's paying attention, you know, because, uh, I mean, historically and just geographically, that, that's always been their area and it, and it always will be. Uh, but he's he's building it the right way. He understands what it takes to win at South Carolina. And, you know, what you mentioned, Mike, it, our state is just too small to recruit South Carolina. Mm-hmm. I mean, we only have four point. 8 million people, something like that. So you got to, I mean, you have to go to the neighboring states and, and, and get those guys and, and recruit, really recruit hard and get guys from Florida and Georgia. But you, you when you start to put a fence around these cities, like these, these key cities, these marquee cities that where Gamecocks have always come through and you, you, you're going to, you're just creating that effect, which you mentioned, Mike, that, that that happened 10 years ago, 10 to 12 years ago, where, okay, now we got an opportunity to compete with Clemson. If you're competing with Clemson, I mean, you're going, you're, you're competing nationally at this point. So. And that's the bar that South Carolina has. I mean, you have to compete with Clemson, obviously a heated rivalry, and that's the number one thing when you're at the University of South Carolina is beat Clemson in any way you can. And they're, they're one of the top teams. So you have to become one of the top teams. But I think Beamer, I think he has learned a lot from Spurrier. And you do see a lot of similarities between the Spurrier era and now Beamer's era because you're hearing things a lot like most talented class since 2012, most whatever since 2010. I mean, you're hearing that a lot and he's building it, like Marcus said, the right way. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you also said South Carolina is, you know, a smaller state. You got to go to those neighboring states, which they're doing very well at. But they're also not letting any of the South Carolina talent that, you know, might be a three star or, you know, might not be as highly recruited because they're out of South Carolina or somewhere you can't, you know, they're finding those guys, those diamonds in the rough, you know, that could go on to have fantastic careers as Gamecocks and they're not letting them slip out and go to, you know, another school, maybe another SEC school or a smaller school. They're getting them now. And, um, you know, that's what you see a lot, but I think, I think Marcus nailed it. I mean, they're building it the right way and they're building it to compete with, you know, Clemson and eventually to compete with the best schools in the country. And that's what you have to do, especially in the SEC. I mean, you look at their schedule this year and, it's going to be a gauntlet. So they got to keep building this way. And they're, they're doing a fantastic job right now. And, and, and this is what, and this, this is what people have to understand. When, when we see those stars, that, that ranking system from one to five, when you walk into the coach's facility, when you walk into, when, when you walk and you see their whiteboard, their ranking system is completely different. You know, that they, they, they have a, a director of player personnel. They have 10 coaches who are experts, tw- 10 to 12 coaches who are experts at what they do. And they have a whole recruiting staff. Their ranking system versus uh, the, the, the ranking system that uh, websites use, it's completely different. You know, uh, Nick, you had mentioned Judge Collier. You know, how much of a beast he is and, and, and just like the talent that he displays being able to play any position on the field. It's just like, yeah, he's a three-star, but when you look at if anybody was to ever, if, if Coach Beamer was ever grant access, you know, to, to some special fan and to the Cindy <laughs> and Cindy Long football operations, they'd see a, they'd see something completely different than what they see online. 
What can you, know, you tell us, they, though, Marcus? I mean, from from your time on the other side of it, right? From working on Will Muschamp's staff, and I'm sure it's very similar, whether it be Muschamp's staff, whether it be Shane Beamer's absolutely. staff, whether it be Nick Saban, whatever. You can go any coaching staff in the country, really, especially in the SEC. Give us an idea for people that don't know what that's like. What are the, what, what's typically on a board? And I'm not, you know, saying, you know, to, to it, I'm not saying you're going to tell us, like, you know, what Judge Collier, just in general, just in vague terms. Well, first off, what I think, what I thought was like unique is that all the coaches, you know, particularly on Muschamp staff when I was there, and I'm, like you said, it's probably similar all across the country. You know, coaches are using the same blueprint. They just put their own spin on it. What's unique is that all the coaches watch film together. They they watch all of the high school recruits together, whether it be an offensive player or defensive player. It doesn't matter. You know, so the defensive staff is in there watching the running back. The offensive staff is in there watching DBs. Everybody is uh, giving their opinion. Everybody is giving their analysis on that player that's on the screen, you know, and that's that's happening, you know, whether it be at the time Matt Lindsay or uh, whoever director player personnel is. Everybody's taking notes. Everybody's taking notes. And, you know, you look at this recruiting sheet and they rank them by attributes, you know, and some of some of them are tangible. You know, some of them are, you know, speed and. Uh, you know, just range and, uh, you know, just all of those things, quickness. But there's also some rankings on there that are that are intangible. And this is what coaches have the eye for, the intangibles. Like, is he tough? Uh, is he smart? That's something you, yeah, an average fan who watches the game a lot, obviously we can pick that up because we watch the game a lot. But the average fan may not be able to see those things toughness uh discipline how how can you see discipline on you know and also these coaches have game film they don't they don't just have highlights you know we, we, there, there's a whole department because you know you can contact the high school coach hey let me see a whole game what is he doing on special teams what is he doing on the other side of the ball you know we we, we see the highlights but you know Coaches want to see, okay, what does he do when the ball's not in his hands? You know, that that those intangibles are able to be ranked at that point. You know, so there's a whole sheet of about 20 different bullet points that coaches are going through. And they rank them. It's not a one through five ranking, if I remember correctly. It's not that we, we don't use one through five. We use uh, some other ranking system. So it's not even a number. It's a completely different um, – it's more of a phrase that we use. Uh, and, you know, that may be different for Coach Beamer, but at that time, that's what we were using. And, you know, are, are we looking at are, are we looking at rivals? Absolutely. There's a whole recruiting department that looks at rivals and looks at on three and looks at all of these different rankings. Appreciate the on three right. plug right there, Brian. You, you already know. Yeah. On three, baby. Uh Looking at all of them, I mean, because you want to go through, you want to see all the, you want to see all of the recruits, but also at the same time, they have a connection to the high school coach, which is important. So, well, that that makes com- everything you just said now makes complete sense because, like Marcus said, I got a chance to watch Judge Collier play last Friday, and he's he played wide receiver, he played DB, he he kind of did it all at the end of last season they went three and oh he played some quarterback he ran out of a wildcat i mean so if you're if you're looking at that type of player and you're watching in a room with with offensive coaches defensive coaches everyone then that makes a lot of sense that he's very high on their board and you know maybe he's he wouldn't blow your mind if you're like you said kind of the average football fan looking at stars but you see him play and these coaches see him play and he's something special so it makes complete sense that that's a different rating scale once you you know when those coaches are looking at these players and i think my i mean nick mike 
in my opinion, I mean, you making millions of dollars and hundreds of thousands of dollars, I think it would be a bit naive for a coach to pull a trigger on the guy that, you know, simply off of what uh, websites think. Come on, you're going to say something better than that. Come on, you're holding back. I'm not the one that puts the stars together, so you're not going to offend me. I'm, but... No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not calling you out. I'm not. Call, I'm not calling anybody out. But it's just like that would be really irresponsible for a coach to not do their due diligence with their coaches. No, no question. So we talk about how the star system can be can have its flaws. So let's go from that to. How South Carolina has picked up a commitment verbally for a five-star to visit on campus. How about that? We're going to make a transition. So now we're going to get all excited about stars again. Five-star, so, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so five-star changes everything. Yeah. Nicholas Harbor, Nicholas Harbor, who's just the only way to describe this, this young man from Washington, D.C., uh, he's a stud. 6'5", 225-pound prospect. He will be coming – to campus for the Georgia game on September 16th. Now, again, we're talking about how, you know, sometimes the star systems can be a little flawed, this and that. You're talking about a five star. I know they got to be able to do the work once they get on campus, but we're talking about some studs nine times out of 10. I say nine times out of 10, because sometimes again, going back to what Marcus was talking about, the intangibles, the things you can't measure. Um, couldn't be a little bit off once they get on campus, right? Maybe they just don't have the right mindset. But for the sake of conversation, talk about Nicholas Harbor. This guy, number one Bring rated on. athlete in the country, number 10 overall prospect consensus in the country. And again, consensus with all the recruiting databases that are out there, not just on three. This guy is a bona fide stud. Michigan, LSU, Maryland. Uh, those are the other schools that he's considering right now. Southern Cal. See, I didn't call that USC. I'm getting better with my time being in South Carolina. Um, there, there's a bunch. There's a bunch of schools that he's getting offers from. Smart kid too. Three point eight GPA. So I throw that out there because when you hear that, Marcus, right? And it could be a three star, a four star, but you went through it. You went through it as a five star, and you were in states. So you had an idea. Does things change up a little? Can you sense things are different when you have a five-star on campus, especially one that you feel like you're in the hunt to be able to potentially land? What will that day look like for him? Will it be a little bit different than maybe some of these other kids? I mean, I know the school won't come out and ever say that, but can you sense it's a little bit different when you have a guy of that caliber, one of the top players in the country? Well, um, Everybody knows who you are once you land in Columbia, South Carolina. That that's just a fact. From the airport to the basketball game when they're chanting your name, uh, and you know when you're at restaurants, everybody's going to know who he is because we get googly eyed over a five star, and I get googly eyed over a five star. And if I saw him, I'd do the same thing. Just just period. Uh, it's of course, of course, his experience is going to be different. You know, he not 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 that we're going to um, create, not that we're going to create an experience for all the other recruits that are going to be there that that is top notch. Everybody's going to have a top notch experience, but you make a statement across the country when you land a five star. And it's just the psychology of fans, the psychology of everybody that watches football. Once you see that, you land that, you 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 again, you, you you're making noise across America, and that's important. That's important whether you whether you want it to be or not as a coach. You know, you can say I don't care about all that. We, the coaches care about that. Now, now that that that's just that just put in a different category. You know, you land Asia Wilson, who was a five star. You land a you know, Aaliyah Boston, who's a five star. I mean, it's just Gigi everybody knows who they are. So mm -hmm. his experience is going to be completely different once he steps on campus. And it, with it being a Georgia game, <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's uh he's going to have a good time. You know, Does he's going to be well taken care of and his family. Does that game? Uh, 
I know I'm going to upset a lot of people when I say this. Does the game really matter that much in your eyes? I mean, as someone that went through the process, and I know it's different because you don't know exactly what this kid's thinking in comparison when you were going through the process, Marcus. But is it more about the result? Is it more about just keeping it close if they don't win? Is it a combination of the environment? Like, what what are some of the factors that you're looking for you feel like or or as someone that went through this before that he might be looking at when he goes up on campus? Well, Nick knows this. Mike, you know this. I mean, Nick, you sat in the stands. I mean, the atmosphere is just completely different when you bring your state rival. Like, I mean, Georgia's has really, over the past 10 years, it's been a battle between South Carolina and Georgia. You know, so you, I mean, Mike, you mentioned the word atmosphere. The atmosphere is just, it's Williams Bryce at its best. It's Williams Bryce in its top form. The game's going to be sold out. The, the the energy will be building all day long. You know, it, it, it's just it's something that you can't recreate when. And, and again, not saying that Georgia State isn't going to be a, a hype game or, or or, you know, a low, a lesser opponent. And, and again, it's the SEC. Let's so just call it for what it is. The it's SEC, the SEC it's border states. It's a great it's, rivalry. I didn't realize it till I got down here. Someone that's not from this from from South Carolina getting there, I, I didn't know what to expect. Now, obviously, I came in at a real crappy time and watched South Carolina beat Georgia, uh, and I won't be welcome back into the state of South Carolina to win the national championship this year. But that's not the point. The point being is, even with it being a little one sided over the last couple of years, no doubt, you can still feel that energy, and it's it's incredible. But that's that's what I'm trying to ask, and Nick. You you've been in the stands, yeah, Nick. As Mark Nick you got to speak on this because you need it. Do you, I hadn't do you been in the stands. Do you do you need that energy to be there all game? Do you need that energy to be there all game? And what I mean by that is, if Georgia is able to pull away with this, because we don't know, we don't know what this game is going to look like. It's going to be still early in the year for South Carolina. They're still going to be going through growing pains, I'm sure, naturally with the offense. Do you need to keep this game close to be able to get a guy like Harbor to say, hey? That's what I want to go. That's where I want to go to. Or is that one of those things where it's like, yeah, that'd be nice, but it's not the end of the world. I think, you know, you sh- it would be much better if you keep it close <laughs> in that game. That's going to help. But I'll, I'll say this. When I got to South Carolina, you know, I'm, I'm from Virginia, didn't have an attachment to the university until I came. The number one team you dislike the most is Clemson. And easily the second team I dislike the most is Georgia since yes. the moment I arrived. Yes. As a as someone who attended the University of South Carolina, you don't like Georgia. You don't like the Bulldogs. And that I truly I, they're right up there with Clemson for me. No doubt. They just frust they're they're just frustrating to play. You know, they've they are obviously reigning national champions. Um, but the energy will be there the entire game. Well, will Muschamp get hugs and kisses, you think, from the fan base? Or <laughs> no? I love Will. I mean, we can uh, have some fun with that. I'm sure I, Will will I agree. I, I, I oh, have no, be good. no bad He'll be on the Will field, Muschamp, too, because he's a defensive coordinator, so he's mm-hmm. going to be on the field. I'm excited. But I, I say that because that's just going to crank it up, right? right? It's Naturally, it's going to be an incredible atmosphere. Naturally. <laughs> It's gonna but you be, throw those it's gonna you be throw insane. those little things out there, right? Will Muschamp coming back? I've always said this. I can I, I can already hear a chant. I can already hear a chant from. Thank you, Will. Thank you, Will. Uh, you know, it, I don't think it's gonna be that one. It won't be. No, it won't I've, be a thank you. It won't be that. <laughs> I've heard some Muschamp chants at Willie B, and you know, the last one I heard wasn't nice. So yeah, I don't think it's, it's gonna be it's, a good one. Not, I mean, I remember. A good one. I remember when Bobo came back with uh, Auburn, and See, uh, I was fired. Bobo's up for situation should have been different. <laughs> Bobo situation. This is just as an outsider, okay. And I don't have any issues with Mike. I've heard a lot of good things about him as a person from people that were close to him. I have no issues with Mike. The way he left in comparison to Will, like Will didn't have a choice. They basically said, "Hey, man, no." They didn't. Basically, they said, "Hey, you're gone. We're firing you." You gotta go. Bobo came back, brought his offensive coordinator. Brought, I mean, excuse me, brought his offensive line coach. 
brought an offensive line coach, Will Friend, who was there for goodness. I think he was there for a whopping 11 days. He told Beamer that he was going to be on staff. He was going to come back. And then he leaves. He goes to Auburn to take the same freaking position. I, I was never count another man's money. Never count another man's money. But that's like giving the double bird to Beamer. So that was just funny that South Carolina was able no, to beat Auburn. No, I was genuinely upset. I was genuinely upset by that. When we were playing Auburn, it was one of the biggest things in my mind was Bobo's coming back, and I want to beat the crap out of Mike Bobo. No one else – I'd like my friends who aren't as involved, you know, in football, no one else cared. They were like, why do you hate Mike – why do you dislike Mike Bobo? And I don't dislike Mike Bobo, like Mike said. Yeah. You know, everything you've heard about him, you know, you, you have to do what's best for you. Maybe he felt that. But, yeah, as a South Carolina student who loves – South Carolina football, I was I was pissed. And, well, and I mean, like like Nick, I mean, just be straight up, like just be real, like that's all you had to do. Yeah, Mike exactly, Bobo. exactly. Don't say you're coming back. Don't don't be one of the only people that Beamer brought back for his staff. And you're just like, oh, peace out. I'm gonna head to Auburn, and then another guy's gonna head to Auburn. And I was like, talk about a bad taste in your mouth whenever you see the Auburn Tigers. I like, I'm good. So right. it was great to beat them, but I don't think it'll be for me personally, at least I don't think it'll be as bad with Muschamp. It's definitely not going to be good for him coming back to Willie B. I don't think it'll be nice things being chanted, but the one thing we can say without a doubt, South Carolina versus Georgia at Willie B is going to be insane. It's going the, I don't, I have full faith in the South Carolina fans. I'll probably be at that game. It's gonna be it's gonna be insane. And you know, Harbor's gonna he's gonna notice what it's like in South in Columbia, South Carolina. It's always a surprise. It's always a surprise for a recruit who who isn't familiar because you, you just can't I mean, I, I, I said this before, un unbiased. It is one of it is the top venue I've ever played in. Like, and that's just from an unbiased perspective. Like, Seattle and, Seahawks, and, when that rain is flowing, yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, LSU Death Valley is crazy, but Carolina, man. And you aren't the only one. There's a lot of it. I mean, nationally, people say what it's like to be at Willie B. Just yesterday, and I and I I'm I'm really disappointed that I'm blanking on the name. I'm going to try to pull it up real quick. But um, big shout out to not just a South Carolina alum but also a Gamecock Central alum, Melissa Lane, making history yesterday, being the first female to fill in and host the Paul Feinbaum sure. show, which was incredible. And she did an awesome, awesome job. Uh, big shout-out to Alyssa. But she also had uh, Matt Austin, um, SEC officiating analyst who's been there for years. Um, you know, as, as, as a, he, was, he was a ref for years. Uh, and he brought up that Williams Rice is one of the loudest places that he's ever officiated at. So I kind of danced around that. I was trying to pull it up to just remember the, the, the gentleman's name. I apologize about that. Uh, and it, that. It, it, you can ask a lot of players. I mean, my one of my best friends in high school, his older brother played at Vandy and actually got drafted by the 49ers. And I think he's still on the roster there. But um, he said, he's like, South Carolina was different. Yeah. South Carolina was a different place. And we talk a lot about recruits seeing it for the first time. Just being a student seeing it mm. for the first time. I didn't grow I grew up going to Naval Academy football games. The capacity at Navy Marine Corps Stadium is 34,000. That's what I did every weekend. My grandparents had season tickets. I have a huge connection to the Naval Academy. That's what college football was to me, which is great. Navy has an amazing tradition. So you're not respecting the troops, Nick. Unbelievable. And they have a great tradition, and I love I love the Naval Academy. Love that's a great, all the that's a great, great stadium. I've been there for the military it, bowl. Nice it's fantastic. Stadium. Also, one of the best places you can watch college lacrosse. Always hosts um, NCAA's quarters. Great place to watch college lacrosse. I got to um, But that's what I grew up with. So I come to South Carolina, and I see Willie B for the first time. I'm seeing a South Carolina tailgate for the first time. I'm seeing the fraternity lots for the first time. It just all of it. All of it. Walking by, I I lived on a house on the State Street, right by Willie B. When I was in Columbia, y you wake up on Saturday and 
the energy is different in the entire city. And it's amazing to see. I brought my brother to his first game. He's 26 years old. He went to the Vandy game last year. He was, you know, my dad went to his first SEC football game that day too. Jaws dropped. Couldn't believe. You know, they were all, after 2001 goes and everything, they turned to me and they're like, that's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Yeah, because it is. It's just, it's in you. You feel the energy and it's just, it's a different place. Whether you're a player feeling it for the first time, you're a fan. Yeah, I couldn't imagine being a young kid going in there for the first time. Mm. It's an amazing environment. And, you know, Georgia's going to have to be ready because, you know, we know 2019 noon game there. Now it's at home. Now it's in Willie B. I do want to bring, I do want to bring this up though, before we transition and talk about what, what, preseason camp or the end of it is looking like as we head into the first week of practice for the real games, right? Which will be next week, of course, but uh, got to give a lot of credit to Jimmy Lindsay, Jimmy Lindsay, defensive line coach. He's done just an outstanding job. I mean, a lot of these coaches, you know, but especially over the last couple of days with what coach Lindsay has been able to do with bringing in three very, very talented four-star defensive linemen, doing what he can right now with Harvard. I know it's not just him. It's it's a collective group because you don't know where Harvard's going to play. Um, is he so athletic enough? Do you feel like he put you put him at tight end, kind of like a Jaheim Bell kind of deal, right? I mean, that kid's such a freak athlete, and that would be a good problem to have is to worry about that later on. He's a um, ridiculous track runner too. I mean, Oh, yeah. Well, and, that, and, that's, and that's the big thing too. People keep mentioning like, hey, look, like he hasn't had a chance to come on campus because he's just been very busy. Because he's very, very talented when it comes to track. Now, runs the hundred, know. runs the hundred meter yeah. sub eleven. I don't know this for a fact. Um, if he'd want to try to run, if he try to do both, but if he try to do both, he's a legendary track coach and field uh, track and field coach at South Carolina by the name of Curtis Fry. So, uh, I'm sure he's well aware of that. I'm sure he's already had a chance to talk with Coach Fry. I don't know that for certain but I would just assume. So if we're going to make assumptions, um, that is one thing that I would say. Um, another thing too, I wanted to bring up, it's kind of blanking in my mind now with, um, with this recruiting is we're going to see things that are going to be a little different this year. Cause someone asked me, okay, what's the numbers a capped off at of 25. It's not 25. They can actually recruit more than 25 players this year um, because of the new NCAA rule. So I'm throwing that out there because I know some people in their mind, how many spots do we have left? They can actually recruit more than that. And then it becomes a number problem later on. So just want to throw that out. Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark, they brought that up on a, um, a recent GC live that we did. And I just want to throw that out there because that's a question that I, I see a lot still on either Twitter or on the insider forum. Transitioning to this week, or I should even go back to last week. We're taping this on Tuesday, August 23rd. Last, was it Thursday? Last Thursday, I believe. Um, South Carolina went back to class. Back to school. And that's a, as a player, I don't know about you, Marcus, as a player, that kind of signified like the end of preseason camp because you didn't have to be in meetings as long. And, you know, still... You're still doing a lot of good on good in practice. You're still working on yourself. I mean, you'll get introduced a little bit to Georgia State and maybe some of the teams um, that you'll play throughout the year, some of the issues maybe that teams gave you last year. But what is really going on right now, Marcus, between the time when you go back to class and getting ready for next week's practice, which will be preparing for Georgia State? I mean, heck, I... I mean, as you know, I mean, training camp is a grind and it's been and, and it's been football, 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 you know, for the past two weeks, at least. I mean, heck, I I was ready for people to come back on campus. I was ready to see other people. You know, I was ready to see some girls. I mean, I just get I just got sick of seeing dudes the whole time. I mean, like I love, I love my guys. You know, I love being around them. But it was time to get back to normality. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm excited that that uh, the students are back on campus. And you know, with my perverted mind at that time, I'm seeing some little shorts because I mean, it was that it's summer. 
and everybody's moving in and you're helping girls move in. And it's like, oh, yeah, OK, this is what we're doing. Um, but no, it's it, it's hopefully you got out of that last scrimmage with no injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that that's the hope. And, and, you know, as a coach. You know, you, you're hoping that, you know, the mistakes were limited, you know, because that's really the last time that you will actually, I, I guess, you know, offense and defense, they know what they're doing. You know, each well, each side has seen the offense. They've seen the defense, you know, so th- that's kind of got monotonous. But, you know, you, you, you're getting those those in-game situations, you know, in, those, in, in, in that last scrimmage, and, and you're trying to do as much as you can, you know, to prepare for the real thing. So, Get out of there with no number one. Get out of there with no injuries. Number two, you go through all of those in the game scenarios, you know, in, in, in a situation where the get where, where it's live and you know your your brain is in the mode of, of of gameplay, you know. So you're getting primed for that. But yeah, this last week, I mean, it's it's really just uh, you 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 still there's probably one more install. And then you get started on Georgia State, you know. But I, I mean, after that, it's I mean, it's showtime. You know, I think with uh, you know, from my experience, I think you're slowing down a little bit. You're slowing down a little bit. You're trying to take care of everybody, and then once you transition in the game week, it's it's literally like your focus, the coach's focus shift because so the players' focus shift, and it, it's it's all Georgia State. Everything is Georgia State preparing and, and all of those installs that 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 are swirling in your mind. I mean, now you can just cut it down into like five or six responsibilities that you have to worry about. And that's kind of like an alleviation of stress because it's just been so much that's been piled on you the last couple of weeks. Um, so it, it, it's when school comes back, it cools down. And it, I mean, and given the fact that there's not a lot of assignments the first week, you know, you just really getting to know your, your, your classmates and you're getting to know your professors. I mean, that's not really, um, there's not really a lot going on in class. You, you get to kind Silly of week. chill a little bit. Silly, Silly week. week. Silly <laughs> yeah. week. Silly it, it, week. What they call it? Silly week. Yeah. Silly week. No, that's what I was going to say. I was like, I'm letting Marcus touch on everything in football and the beginning of classes because I had a very different experience with, the start of school <laughs> in South Carolina. Um, Cause yeah, that's syllabus week. That's, that's what are we doing? Where are we going out tonight? We have no assignments right now. When does, <laughs> soror- when does sorority rush what? end? When are girls allowed out? What again? bar are we going to in five yeah, points like, tonight? Are, tomorrow? What, that's what's going through your head. Like we're all back in town. Let's go. Let's get Let's ready. Go. So, uh, it's, a, it's a different mentality because obviously I didn't have to worry about football, which makes it crazy that these guys do. I mean, True student athlete. So next week, at this point, when we do one of these shows, we'll be talking about Georgia State. Finally, week one. I know it's week zero this week. Congrats to Vandy going out to Hawaii. Uh, win or lose, they're the real winners because they're going out to Hawaii. Um, <laughs> oh, we that's got messed up. We got teams up, going right? to Ireland for crying out loud. Right, right, Nick. Who's going out to yeah, Ireland? Right? Nebraska, Nebraska Northwestern, a Big Ten matchup in Ireland. Don't God, me. I want to apologize to that whole country of Ireland. It's an eleven thirty, eleven thirty a.m. I think on the East goodness. Coast. It'll be a kickoff, but. We're gonna, I mean, I don't know who wins that. Do do either of those teams? There's really gonna there's gonna be a Guinness shortage in the United States because Ireland's gonna cut us off after the pathetic display of football they're about to see. So we want to hey, apologize. Hey, Nebraska, Nebraska is the Nebraska's the best three win team we've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> just give Scott Frost another four years; he'll figure it out. Um, no, it's good. Bottom line is football's back. Football's back. It's always a good thing, and it's not just college football. We'll see some good high school football that will be televised. I want to ask you guys this little little trivia question for you before we start talking about some guys that are in the NFL for the Gamecocks. How many five stars – just take a guess. How many five stars do you think are currently on the on-three consensus ratings for the class of 2023? I just looked this up. I'm taking a guess. 
like mm-hmm. wild. Like, Across the country, right? Across the country. I'm going to go with 15. I was going to say 20, 26. So there's 31. There's 31. But I bring that up. I bring that up because I'm sure there are some people out there that think there's more than that. Well, I thought I thought about going 50. I was yeah. like thinking I was like 25, 50, like around that. So. so I bring that up just because some some people, some, they want to see the five stars. We get it. For every reason that Marcus brought up earlier, for every reason that Nick brought up as well, I get it. But there's not a lot of them. I mean, you do the math. I was not that great at math in school. So you 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 do all that math. The odds of being able to land a five-star are very difficult. If you're in Alabama, being able to pick three, four up each year, five, whatever, you're Alabama. But for the rest of the country, it's not as easy as you think it is. So to be able to have a guy like Nicholas Harbor coming here on September 16th to watch the Georgia game, if South Carolina is even in the hunt to be able to land him, one of the top two, three schools, and right now, if you go to on three, you can see – where players are leaning towards. And for Nicholas Harbor, right now, the recruiting prediction machine has him leaning towards Michigan at 34%, followed by LSU at 29%, and then South Carolina just under 16%. And to basically just explain what the heck that all means, that's to kind of give you like a real-time feel of what's going on based on what a collective group of recruiting insiders, which I'm not included in, so I don't get to go to the secret meetings, but they're able to kind of discuss and figure out what's going on from talking to some of the high school coaches, talking to some of the college coaches and people that are close to the programs and some of the family as well. So uh, keep an eye on that. Um, just it's a little bit harder than I think some people understand to be able to land five stars just because it's not a lot out there. So if you can land this one, if you could, if you can land a five star, if you could land a five-star, and I, I don't know when Nick would decide to come out with his commitment, so we'll just say at the end of Shane Beamer's second year. If you're able to land a five-star after Shane Beamer's second year at South Carolina, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to win a national championship, but just throw a parade. Throw a parade right there. <laughs> I mean, the fact that you're able to land a five-star after a new coach comes they're in on here their, two years. Beyond- they're on their way. Mm. I mean, I think that's what we're seeing right now anyways with all the four stars they're getting and the the class he's put together now in his second mm-hmm. year. I mean, getting a five-star on top of that is just, you know, it reassures everything he's already doing. Um, so that would be huge. And and like I said earlier, I mean, obviously we want five stars. I mean, I'm not <laughs> – I'm just Breaking saying news. there are good players. Breaking news, Nick wants stars. five stars. There are good players who are three stars and four stars. Yes, we want five stars. I'm not an idiot. We want five stars. But, um, you know, you also – five stars don't come in and change your program. They don't. I mean, uh, Jordan Birch, five star. He's really, I think, going to show what he's got this year. Mm-hmm. and the, the, so it's like that um so i don't put try to put a ton of weight in the five star but i mean a guy like this this athleticism it's huge but just just that momentum especially with them they're not being that much would be insane for south carolina and quite frankly i mean him being from the dmv that that carries a lot of weight mm-hmm. i mean the more we can the more we can steal from that area always produces a ton of good players the better man that was an area that Muschamp struggled with, I'd say, at the beginning of his tenure. And he took a lot of crap for it. He was able to go up there and get a guy like Marshawn Lloyd. And towards the end of his tenure, he was able to start going into that area. It's not an easy area, as you brought up, Marcus. It's not an easy area to go in for whatever reason. Uh, maybe you can say because Big Ten football, especially in that area, there's some good, talented teams. You can throw the ACC out there, too, with like Pitt. But more so, I think of you know the Penn State's historically, right? Penn State. You think of Virginia Tech um, when when Frank Beamer was there. Even UVA football. Um, you know, you just it's it's a difficult area to go up and recruit in Maryland, of course. So um, James James Madison gets a lot of solid guys out of that area too. Yeah. That's the other thing too, and that's going to be interesting too. I'm glad you brought that up. Keep an eye on that over the next couple of years with them moving up to FBS. How that changes. Mm-hmm. The re- recruiting standpoint. 
as we wrap things up, guys, I do want to bring this up, you know, with my new gig up here, which I'll get into in just a little bit, because I just want to put some rumors to bed. Um, having a chance to be at joint practices this past week with JC Horn, Dennis Daly, who literally threw a Patriot player into the uh, threw him out of the club. I mean, that's the best way to put it. Defending Christian McCaffrey. I'm just like, who's the one that threw the player into the stance? Oh, it's the Ridgeview kid. All right. It was his best block of the day. Um, it, great, it was great. Um, and then you also had shy Smith out there. And then of course, Kevin Harris, one thing that stood out to me and from talking to people that are close with the Patriots, Kevin is really making an impact right now. Now, James White, Anyone that's followed the NFL or college football for years, you know who Sweet Feet is. He mm. retired. Um, just a phenomenal, phenomenal player. Um, Congrats on the great career by James White, man. I enjoyed watching him play. Just a tremendous From St. Player. Thomas Aquinas. That's right. That is right. The Florida native. And the guy's gone through so much with the death of his parents to the to the to the brutal injury that he suffered. And I think he should have been the MVP of that Super Bowl. Um, against Atlanta when they came back down 28-3. to But the point being is with him retiring, it opens up a spot at running back. It's obviously a good thing for a guy like Kevin Harris because it's a crowded room. And I've always said this, Kevin will make the Patriots because he protects the football. 358 carries at South Carolina, only one fumble in his college career, which is insane. Mm. But on top of that, and this is what I really think is going to help him out from learning this past week, Special teams. He's making such an impact on special teams. When you talk to people that are close with that organization, they're telling you that is going to be his golden ticket. He just has to continue to protect the football. Don't screw anything up from a running back standpoint. He'll have an opportunity this week against the Las Vegas Raiders because the starters aren't expected to play at all. Might see some Cole Strange up there, the, the drafted offensive lineman, but other than that, you're really not going to see too many starters out there, and it's going to give him an opportunity. Marcus, you think back to when you were going through the process with the San Francisco 49ers as a running back. I'm sure, right, you want to do what you can to be able to stay on the field as a running back, but special teams. I mean, how how big can that be for a rookie regardless of the position? I know you said regardless of the position, but like specifically at running back, like, I mean, that's the type of body and skill set that you want on special teams. You got to get, you got to have a guy that's able to run and change directions and who is physical and like just, man, you could do like, you could just do so much for the team. You know, uh, all of during that time when I was there, I mean, I had, <laughs> Heck, there's no way I was getting on the field. I had like three All Americans and a Hall of Famer in, in the in, in the running back room. So I mean, like you know, when I was at practice, I mean, I busted my ass to, to in every drill. And and here's the thing: they if you don't if you don't want to do it, I mean, you just you you're not going to play. They they make they make it so important, you know that, that it, it's it's one of the most important if not the most important to a head coach, uh, particularly in NFL, because it, it, it's, it's the swing, it's the one that you can, uh, you know, offensively and defensively. I mean, there's only so many things you can do, but you know, as the game, if we, as we've seen the game has, has, you know, there's been an evolution with the new quarterback and Mahomes, and, you know, how they do things. But I mean, with special teams, like it's, it's the difference. It, it it really is. And Kevin Harris, I mean, with his attitude, number one, his attitude and his willingness to do anything for the team. We saw that at South Carolina. He's humble. And his body type is just so perfect. I mean, heck, I could see him. I, I, I know, you know, there's a lot of different teams that he'll probably be on. But, man, I could see him leading. I could see him leading the punt team. You know, mm. I, I really can, like, just because of – that like just that body type and his speed and his aggressiveness, like you got to have that mentality as well. Um, God, he is such a get. He is such he is such a get for any team. But yeah, I remember when we were talking about when he got drafted. I was just like, God, Lay is just so perfect. 
just like what what a perfect fit for him. And uh, I mean, it, it's like Bill Bill Belichick, like hand picked like that. Hmm. Okay, this guy is perfect for. It. And I think anybody who knows football and has seen Kevin Harris play would probably make that make that conclusion as well. Like this is just a perfect marriage uh, for for Kevin Harris to be a part of New England, and it, it's. It's the difference maker, Mike. Ain't no doubt about that. He's been playing some up back back there on kickoff return, doing a tremendous job because obviously if the ball's squibbed, if it's short for every reason, but obviously in the NFL, everything's frigging touchback these days because they're trying to eliminate <laughs> kickoffs. But um, Kevin's been doing a good job. He's been doing a great job, actually, um, at up back. Um, Zaquandre White had a touchdown this past weekend with the Dolphins. He's trying to stick on onto a team. So, I mean, just goes to show the talent that they've had at that running back position a year ago. Uh, Nick Muse had a nice reception against the 49ers this past week, and the list goes on and on. So we'll have to keep an eye on how some of these Gamecocks, because as we speak today, NFL teams need to cut down to 85 to 80 today by four o'clock so depending on when you're listening to this four o'clock eastern time they have to make that cut and then the following week that is when they will have to cut down to 53 and then you can have up to 10 players on your practice squad um we'll we'll keep an eye on all that uh, it was good to see jc horn first thing that jc said to me after we exchanged pleasantries was man i can't wait to see this gamecock team like he's fired up he's excited to see what mm-hmm. shane beamer is doing and that's really neat um, and we started talking more too, and I, I put the story out on Gamecock Central for those who are subscribers. And we talked about Cam Smith. And one thing that he mentioned about Cam is that he's like, Man, he reminds me a lot of myself. Like, this dude likes to talk smack, he watches film, he's like, he'll exchange film with people. Like, he just wants to get better. We've seen a maturity from Cam Smith. And, and Marcus, I know you were there at the beginning of the Cam Smith era when he was a little baby. Um, I say baby, I mean, it makes me feel old because I remember covering him at Westwood. Uh, this guy, this guy realizes a lot is at stake this year with him. I don't know if that mindset changes at all when you are a father and you feel like you have to, not not feel, but you, you know that you have to be able to provide in uh, unique ways. I don't know if that changes things up for him. I don't know, but th- his mindset, especially over the last, I'd say, year, has just really been incredible, especially just the maturity. And I'm just really excited to be able to see this guy ball out this year. You know, when he first came in, uh, you, you mentioned the the maturation uh, of Cam Smith, the evolution of Cam Smith. It's It's been beautiful. It, it, it really has. When he first came in, you just saw this guy that, God, like he plays corner. I mean, these long arms, this this long body is, I mean, that's that's scary to see in front of you. You know, we had, I mean, we just had some giants at corner for the past couple of years. JC, Israel, <laughs> Cam. I mean, these yeah. guys. I mean, it, it was it was scary to see our back our back end uh, of our defense. But man, that guy, he is. Um, he's very when he first came in, very reserved. Very quiet, um, you know, probably a little immature, just as we all are at 18 years old. Uh, but, I mean, I think J.C. coming in, I mean, probably was it, – it, it It was one of the best things that probably could have happened for him, you know, seeing a guy who, quite frankly, just m- moved as a professional ever since he'd been a freshman. Mm-hmm. Uh, J.C., I mean, he's just a guy that – football all the way um knew, knew what he wanted and knew how to go get it like uh, uh, it, it was just and it, obviously him being the son of Joe Horn that 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 might help out a little bit that you have that that you have a, a, a NFL grading at your disposal at any time but cam it, it's I'm so happy for him I, I really am because I know it's going to be a good year. It's going to be a special year. He just got to block out all the noise and be himself. Mm-hmm. It, 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 you start worrying about all of the accolades, the preseason accolades and all the things that, you know, that don't matter. Um, it can get into your head, you know, but I, I know from conversations with Demo that they're not going to let that happen. <laughs> um, 
he just needs to go out there and play. Yeah, I think Cam. I think Cam's gonna. I mean, you look at the All American teams that are previewed and all those things, and he's kind of left off of the top top tier. But I think he's gonna shock people because, like we talked about earlier, I mean, people aren't really thinking who's the best cornerback in the nation. You're not really looking at South Carolina. You just it's just not the first place your head probably goes. But I think he's really gonna shock people, and also uh, we've had some great corners. I mean, Israel is the owner, aka the owner of Jake Fromm, so <laughs> he's a, a great, great South Carolina legend, in my opinion. Um, so uh, I think Cam's gonna have a great season, and glad to see JC doing doing well mm. at the Panthers. And Marcus, I'm glad you brought that up about JC. I actually, with the story that I shared on Gamecock Central, and you'll naturally you'll you'll get some people on the forum. That will say things that look. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but to see some of the comments, and there weren't too many. There might have been one or two. Um, so you see some of the comments about JC still is just like he was a quitter, this and that. It's just like, well, let's add some context here. Number one, he walked away from football in a season where a lot of people walked away because of COVID. He lost his aunt after the Ole Miss game, or the go, or, or, or that week, and he's from Mississippi state of Mississippi to be around family. So I think people that, you know, have this vision of JC, it just makes me laugh because the guy has nothing but love for Gamecock football. Still different head coach, new players out there. He wants to see them do well. He's going back to the facility when he can, and he works out with these guys. One of the first things I remember him when I told him that the kid from Assumption transferred in, Carlin Spatel, and who did an outstanding job at Nickel, and now he's with the Pittsburgh Steelers. JC's like, give me his number. Like, I'll reach out to him. Like, it just blows my mind that people have this image of this dude in their head, and they really, really don't know this guy whatsoever. So I'm glad you brought that up, though, Marcus, because um, – JC just he, he takes hits, man. He takes hits, and I just I, I just don't understand why. Just like you're upset that he walked away because he made a decision that was best for him and his family. Everything that was going on with COVID as well. He ended up being the first defensive player picked, which makes your school in recruiting that much better. Just blows my mind. And then and they haven't met him. No. <laughs> All the people talking, they haven't they haven't met him. I mean, like. You don't meet too many people as kind as JC either. So you nice. Know, that's man. one thing. That's one thing that stands out. Too. You don't even. And I don't know. Maybe it's just perception. Just like you just you just don't. Ex- He's a kind human being and um, always gave me full attention. You know, even when he was getting all of the attention all across. I mean, it's just like I don't know. Special dude. Real special dude. And I'll transition that because I'm going to wrap things up, but I do want to hit on this. Actually, I want to talk about how humble he is, too. When he was named to the all-freshman team in the SEC, his dad, Joe, found, like, in the back seat underneath the car the trophy. JC just didn't care about it. It was like it was a nice honor, but he was already focused on next season. Joe Horton found the trophy underneath the driver's seat, and he was just like, oh, you know, because he – JC appreciated it, but he was just like, that's last year. Um, I say that about JC, though. When I announced the news, for those of you that don't know, um, came out of nowhere. I talked with Nick and Marcus about it uh, before, but um, a dream job opportunity back in Boston opened up to be a sports reporter at the CBS station and cover the Patriots this season. I couldn't say no to that. It came out of nowhere, but fortunately, with the blessing of Brian Shoemaker, who runs Gamecock Central, Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark, Colin Taylor, all those guys, um, I'm still working with Gamecock Central. I'm going to be working remotely, so I'm still covering the Gamecocks. It's going to be weird. I'm bummed out because I just bought a place right near the freaking stadium, and I was going to walk over and get Bojangles every day, go to kickoff, tailgate, have a great time. A little different, but uh, I'm excited. Uh, we'll see what happens after these next six, seven months because it's a six, seven-month gig. Plan is to return to South Carolina afterwards, but, um, again, you never know what could happen. So um, I'm very excited, though. For, uh, to still be covering the Gamecocks and to go back with JC Horn, one of the first people to text me the day after I, the day I put it out was JC saying, "Man, I'll see you up in New England next week for joint practices." So um, we'll still be doing this podcast because some people were wondering if the podcast was going away. We're not going away. Um, it's a freelance gig, so that's why I can balance and do both. 
or, or juggle both. It's going to be a busy fall, but it's going to be a fun fall. I mean, talking football, man, we can, we can make it happen. So excited to be working with both of you guys still excited for a new season of Gamecock football. It's uh, it's well-deserved Mike. Congrats, Mike. Well-deserved. Well appreciate you, you guys. You, you earned that shit. So mm -hmm. I, 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 I appreciate awesome you. See. Been awesome to see. Now it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, for anyone that is interested in seeing any of the shows, you can log on to CBS Boston, um, filling in, anchoring, doing different things, Patriots pre- and post-game show. It's been a lot of fun. So excited. And we'll give you guys some unique perspectives, too. We'll be able to provide some interesting stuff. Been talking with Dante Reno, class of 2024 commit. He's not too far from me, so I've been talking with him. So stay tuned. Uh, we got some interesting content and some unique content that we're going to be delivering as we're up here in this unique situation. But uh, that's going to do it for this week's show. Next week, when we tape this podcast, we're talking Georgia State. We're talking first game. It is finally back. We're going to be – it will still be August, but we'll call it September for the for the sake of it. It's set the first Let's week of September. Let's go, baby. We're going to get fired up. So uh, we appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to us today. He's Nick Klaus. He's Marcus Lattimore. I'm Mike Yuva. We'll do it again next week right here on Believe in South Carolina. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.